You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the program. This is the Surveyor Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. You can email me at jeff at americaswebradio.com. I invite your emails and comments, questions, surveying, and related issues, and uh, I'll do the best I can to uh, answer those questions on our next show uh, after we receive them from you. So uh, write me. Uh, send me an email if you want to find out more about me and uh, what I do and what my qualifications are. You can check me out on my personal website at www.lucasandcompany.com. That's www.lucasandcompany.com. Uh, so uh, get in touch with me there. All right. Well, if you've been with us for the last uh, three or four weeks, <laughs> we have been uh, Working on some uh, issues uh, related to surveying. Don't get hurt by anybody. I've been telling, uh, I've been telling you all that uh, eventually I was going to get a guest on the program, and I am very happy to say that that is um, my good friend um, Milton Denny, who lives forty miles down the highway from me here in, in Alabama, has uh, agreed to come on and be my first guest, and I'm proud that he has. Just a little bit about Milton. Uh, Milton is, uh, if you don't know already, uh, some of you out there may have uh, been in uh, some of Milton's seminar presentations. He is a seminar speaker. He travels across the country uh, presenting seminars. I think that's probably the first time uh, I met him in person was at a seminar. He's also uh, an author. He was a longtime columnist, columnist on POB, uh, in POB magazine. Um, also, Milton is a licensed surveyor in six states, both uh, general land office states, uh, public domain states, and meets and bounds states. Those are generally the eastern eastern states. What are these? You know, he was licensed uh, in 1959. I'm assuming he was only open. about four or five years old at that time. He's worked on uh, in land boundary uh, mapping, aerial mapping, one of them, uh, including GIS. Uh, since he currently does consulting related to land boundaries and related fields. He's considered by many to be an authority on the link survey chain, also known as the Gunter chain. He, he actually fucked up into his house. It, we really it, need his house is in here and the Disneyland of surveying. And maybe we'll make get sure to talk about that a little make bit. Make sure I'm doing it right. But uh, doing it right. the surveying, the yeah, gunner's changed used for 300 years this, in this country uh, and, uh, and before this country in England. He currently lives in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, 40 minutes down the road from me here in the, the um, western part of Birmingham. And... Milton, uh, welcome to the show. For example, those well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, we go back quite a ways together and uh, some really good times. And uh, maybe we can continue that and bring some useful information, you know, to other surveyors. I know what game about how to handle different problems. It needs to stay as low. And hopefully, this won't be your last time on the show. I'd like to get you because you're always involved in some kind of interesting project every time I talk. I mean, one time uh, out, in the, out in the wilderness somewhere searching up old corn. But just you know, a real quick, Milton, do you recall the first time, you know, we actually met? God, is that tight? 
It's okay. Uh, no, because you know you, you were you're you're a big shot, and I'm just a little fleet. So when you play your um, recording, well, what I told somebody, it's better to be a a big fish in a little pond than a little. A little fish in a big pond. So uh, no, I don't remember the first time we met. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, or, uh, it, it was just you know, real quick. Need to be open it was uh, two thousand. Uh, quite frankly, I've forgotten. I was uh, I was and, about a year out of law school, a year uh, a year be, so. after the state of the bar, and I was writing articles. And I was uh, sending them into uh, the ASPLS magazine, Turning Point. I wrote one on sizing sections. And uh, you What's the uh, responded to that in an email, uh, and uh, it's it was, uh, that's the first time, at least my recollection, that was the first time we met was through emails. Obviously, we met in, a, in person after that. Do you, rec- you recall that? Uh, no, I can't say I do, Jeff, but I respond to a lot of emails. <laughs> <laughs> sort of lucky. Uh, I don't. I, I don't blame you, but you know, it was it was interesting sections for the for our, our audience who might not understand that uh, colloquial term used here in the southeast. Maybe not even outside of Alabama. It's it's a reference to um, breaking sections down into their aliquot parts and. You know, Milton. You know as well as I do. I mean, that was kind of a that was kind of protocol. Uh, to, Tried to, to get the one at church just to not come too in. long ago, and, and it's kind of amazing uh, that it was. But you know, I think things are getting a little bit better now. When you to look it over, and well, what I saw was it was pushed very heavily by the GLO or the PLL. Uh, surveyors that this is the only way to do it, and it was so disruptive. In fact, what they did is they did a lot of uh, independent resurveys of whole townships. This controls a lot. There were double borders at every corner in the township, and where does that leave the poor local surveyor? You know, he goes there, and there's this big brand new shiny government monument, and everybody's going, well, we want to go by that. And then you're going, no, this is really the original corner over here. So it puts the surveyor in a very, very difficult situation. Luckily, most of those guys have retired and kind of moved on to other things. So maybe we don't have quite the problem we once had. Well, what about landowners? I mean, they go out there and they see, you know, double monumentation at their corners. What do they think about the land surveying profession? Are you guys nuts? (laughs) You know... I mean, can't you guys agree on anything, you know? In fact, I know some places where there's actually three government monuments plus a county monument plus a local surveyor's monument. And if you go there and you see all these monuments, the landowners got to think these guys don't have a clue what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's true. That That's, that's not a... That's not a good public. I mean, you, you, you used to do a business column, uh, or you you would talk, write about business a lot. I mean, is that is that a good PR um, um, PR campaign to multiple monuments on the ground and we and surveyors don't know what they're doing? I mean, how's that how's that been a peak from a PR standpoint? Well, it's it's horrible. In fact, uh, I've got a little article I cut out years ago. Uh, a writer, you know, if you're a, a, a staff writer for a newspaper, you got to come up with something to write every day. And we have a local guy here, and I've done some things with him. But he's looking for something to write about, so he writes this little column. He said, when I moved into my house, there was one survey stake, and I would go back there occasionally and just look at it, make sure it was still there. 
and then there were two, and then there were three, and then there were four. And he said, now I go back there and wondering, well, am I over on my neighbor's property? Is he on my property? What about the people next to me and things like that? And so very disruptive. And actually, he was trying to be funny, obviously. But he pointed up a good point is that they're all the same corner. And, you know, people have to, surveyors got to recognize that there's error in everything. And we've got to accept some corners that are there and have been used for other things and not always think that our measurements are better than everybody else. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you something. Um, and I thought about it when I was um, reading your little, you know, the bio you gave me here for second uh, introduce you today. Um, the gunner's chain used for 300 years, and then we went to the survey foot. Uh, what What's your take on this uh, survey foot versus international foot issue that they're talk- we're, we're talking about? Well, unfortunately, it's like everything in surveying. Things get done to us. We don't seem to get the opportunity to do it to ourselves. And this changing from the international foot I mean, the survey foot, the international foot, is a disruption of 300 years of history in the United States. And to just have this run down our throat, of course, with that, what they don't tell you, if you look at NGS's 10-year plan, they're talking about point migration. They're talking about a complete redo of our whole survey system. And we've had very little input into that, and it's probably our own fault. Yeah, and they're, they're talking ethics now. So, uh, so uh, survey uh, ethics, like what is like every five years, you're gonna yeah. all the all the coordinates are gonna shift. I mean, can you can you say pinfish corner? I mean, uh, what 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 do you make of that? What do you make of this ethic? Now you got a time factor involved with measurement. Yeah, um, you know, I, I just think uh, I, I'm be honest with you. I'm glad I'm at the end of my career than the beginning. Because <laughs> I think the world is going to get a lot more difficult to work in. And there, I see uh, a, a, a trend in GIS people that thinking we don't know what we need to do anyway. And I saw where he was, uh, some GIS guy was writing about the north line of Georgia. It was only within, you know, a minute of latitude. And he was saying, well, these bungling surveyors, they never could do anything right. And I thought, well, if you were out there in 1818 with a sextant, because they wouldn't give you the right instrument, and you got within one minute, you did a pretty good job. And if you don't believe me, buy a little sextant and go out there and try to get latitude within a minute with a handheld sextant. Yeah. Well, I guess my take um, is, uh, you know, we're... we're Basic land surveying, I mean, you don't have to be a geodesist to do basic land surveying. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, uh, these, these GPS units and uh, NGS are all measuring of meters anyway, right? So this is, we're, we're, we're not talking about the actual units that we're measuring in, or we're measuring in, in uh, meters. It's just a conversion issue. And why in the world would we need to change, convert these metered measurements into an international well one thing that that hasn't been mentioned or thought about uh, from my perspective is this really changes 
the regulations from all the boards of registration in the United States, because I really don't know of any that aren't in the, well, there, I think there are two that are in the national foot, but most of these states have some kind of standards, and they're all in the U.S. survey foot, not in the international foot. So there's a big yeah, transition curve there. Yeah, and, and I realize we're talking about, you know, in, in short distances, we're talking about almost nothing. And so you've right. got to get out longer distances before it really, you know, it, it really makes any any kind of difference. So if it, it, so what is the point? What's the point? Why, why don't we... All of our all of our deeds, as you mentioned, for the last three hundred years have either been written in, in feet or or in uh, or in chains, uh, chains and links, as we discussed earlier. <clears throat> so now we're going to introduce a third form of measurement when there's actually no reason to do so. Yeah. Well, the the reason, Jeff, is that so much of this is related to GIS systems, and when you look at their coordinate pairs for corners, you'll see that they're pretty good-sized numbers, you know, like state blank coordinate. Well, when you yeah. factor that in, it does make a difference. And the, the highway department in Alabama has been caught short a couple times by a contractor sending mapping to uh, Europe and having it done in India or somewhere and then getting it back in the international foot. And they try to go out there and plug this into a design product project and find that there's four to six foot error in there. In fact, there was one where the road was kind of built to the bridge, and then the bridge was offset four feet. But it was an error. It was it was one. The mapping was done in international foot, and the surveying was done in U.S. survey foot. Yeah. So it can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a new seminar, Jeff. Yeah, and it sounds like the uh, the whole the old meter versus foot uh, arguments that were being made right. uh, a few decades ago. I suspect we're coming up close to our uh, break uh, here now. Um, um, let's see, probably here in the next uh, in the next little bit. So, um, folks, um, if you want to contact me, write write me at Jeff at americaswebradio.com or you can find out more about me at www.lucasandcompany.com my website Um, quick stakes does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes if not demand that they start carrying quick stakes did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake order a sample today and prove it to yourself quick stakes your back friendly stake get your pen and paper ready if there's a move in your near future i'm here to tell you that the folks i used and now recommend is around town movers timothy and the guys recently moved me and i am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
Thank you. Okay, we are back. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and my guest here today is Milton Denny. Many of you are probably familiar with Milton, but um, Milton uh, is always, uh, as I said earlier, he's always uh, interested, uh, he's always involved in some interesting uh, projects, so I asked him to come on the show today, and he's been—he's my first guest. So, Milton, um, we've touched on, to a certain extent, we've touched on uh, the original GLO surveys. Now, we go, I've been told we're going out all over the world, so uh, just to give some background here to our audience, um, the, uh, the GLO stands for the General Land Office, and the United States of America, after we became a country, uh, over time and incrementally, we uh, acquired um, um, all of the land uh, from the original 13 colonies uh, westward over to the Pacific Ocean uh, in various and sundry transactions, and uh, that uh, that became known, uh, is commonly known as the great public domain. I believe, if I've got my numbers correct, about 1.5 billion acres of land, and the government decided it was going to uh, pre-survey the land and uh, block it off in, in 36-square-mile townships and uh, one-square-mile sections. And so when we're talking about original GLO field notes and the plats, we're talking about those surveys that were done. Um, back in the day, the General Land Office uh, was started in 1785, and they started surveying shortly after that, and Alabama was uh, surveyed. And the, it's also referred to as the rectangular surveying system, or it's referred to as the public land survey system. Here in Alabama, they started somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of 18, uh, 18, uh, 1800 and uh, completed the surveys in, in around 1850, according to the dissertation of the late uh, great Dr. Uh, David Griffin. So, uh, Milton, my question is, so here we are in the, in the year 2020, are the original... GLO field notes and plants still relevant uh, for surveying? Yeah, actually they are, and uh, very much so. Uh, and I'll give you some little details in just a second. And, and where can you find copies of these? Well, that's a really interesting question because each state, with their autonomous nature, uh, do different things, you know. Now, most of the GLO states, which is less Texas- Hawaii and the original 13 colonies have these original notes and plats. And they can be found online through BLM uh, website. And uh, you can scroll through there and you can find both the plats and the field notes. And most of the states are in there. Now, there are a few exceptions. Locally, uh, this varies a lot depending, again, which state you're in. In Alabama here, Jeff, you know, where the Secretary of State hosts those, and they have a, a website, and it's fairly user-friendly, but it takes a little, it's a little bit of a user curve, you know, but you can find those in there. Now, why would I want to do that? You know, what would be the importance? Well, I can tell you, if you're involved in a major boundary lawsuit, and you go to court, the question is probably going to come up, did you see the original notes? Did you see the original plats, you know? And one of the things that's really interesting about that is that 
even the the deputy surveyors or the uh, state land commissioners or whatever their title was couldn't actually tell you which was the original because they made the minute they surveyor sent in the original plat to get paid they started making copies of it some copies went to the federal government some went to the state agencies and so what you have is and, and i recommend to people is not only just look up the original field notes and plats on a very involved survey but look up various copies of them because sometimes there are other copies available now, BLM, uh, in later years, uh, sometimes went back into a township that had some problems, and they would do updated surveys in that township. And why are these important? Well, let me give you my all-time classic example. I was working for the Corps of Engineers. This is a number of years ago. This stuff wasn't available online. And they gave us a bunch of deeds, and they said, these are spoil areas because we can't get BLM to permit any new spoil areas. So we want to see how much of these old spoil areas that we've used to land, so we want the boundaries marked. And they had been surveyed at one time. Well, I sent a crew down there, and they started trying to make some sense out of this and messed around for two or three days. And the Corps calling up saying, have you got any of them yet? And we said, no, we can't figure this out. So kind of out of a desperation move, I knew there was a copy of these old survey plats, and of course this was along a river, so you have partial townships and, and you know closing townships and all this kind of thing. I knew there was a copy of these uh, in the rare book library in, in University of Alabama because I had put them there. We found them in the in the upstairs of a building, so we went there and we looked up the original field notes can you believe that we were using the quad sheets and of course the quad sheet when had fractional sections or township they were numbering what they could number totally and then just numbering the others you know with additional numbers when we went to the original plat we found out that the surveyor that did this originally didn't use the normal system of numbering sections in that township. And he was just making them up. And it was on the original plat like that. Well, I called uh, uh, the uh, geological survey in Washington. And I said, I've got a quad sheet here, and it's got an error. And they said, oh, yeah, people call us all the time. What's the problem? I said, the sections are numbered wrong. Oh, Milton, that never happened. No, that can't be. I said, well, you're in Washington, you go over the archives and you look up the original. Well, they called me back and they said, you're absolutely right. So how the surveyor numbered them on that original map was not how they got on the quad sheet. But can you imagine getting a little order to stake an oil well and getting the quad sheet and just going out there and staking it in that section and they drill a really good producing well and it's somewhere where it shouldn't be? So if there is a reason to look at this stuff, just to make sure that there isn't something underlying going on. And you go to court, and the judge may say, did you look at the original notes? Did you look at the plots? Or the attorneys could say that. And let me go on to one other question here, Jeff, and it's something that's happening nationwide. 
the GIS people in courthouses think their GIS system is the, the ultimate. So when you ask for something like the notes, they go, well, we'll just print you out our GIS map here, and it shows all yeah. around it. It's all you need, you know. And I have this happen at an archives, and I happen to have two really high-priced lawyers with me. And I said I wanted to look at these original field notes. And they said, well, we got that on microfish. So they gave me the reel, and we put it in there. And you absolutely couldn't read it. And so I went back to them, and I said, ma'am, I need to see the original field book. And she says, well, those are quarantines. I said, what does that mean? She says, oh, they're fragile, and nobody can look at them. And I got a really high-priced lawyer on each side of me, and I look at her, and I said, ma'am, You've got two options. You can go get me the field book, or we'll come back with a court order. Because those are our records. We have a right to see them. We're licensed surveyors. And these attorneys were just cracked up laughing. So I, we went and sat down, and about 10 minutes later, here she comes with the book. Well, the interesting thing was, it wasn't really a real fragile book like a lot of you know. When you get done with the book and there's pieces of the book laying still on the table that you've got to kind of sweep on the floor, that's a fragile book. These yeah. weren't a real fragile book. but And I sat down there and I started reading this and the attorneys go, you can read that. I said, yeah, I've only been doing this for 50 years, you know. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a, our own coded language, the field notes, but they're important to read. Well, I'm surprised um, that um, I have yet to go into a probate court in the state of Alabama where anybody knew what I was talking about when I asked them about the original field notes. Exactly. That hasn't happened yet. Well, Jeff, they usually, they're supposed to have in Alabama, and each state is a little different, but they're supposed to have that field book of of the original notes, yeah. you know. I, I know they're supposed to have it, but you go in there and you talk to somebody, especially like today, go in there and talk to us. Uh, call the, I, I'm involved in a, in a project in, in Bibb, right on the Bibb County, Tuscaloosa County line right now. Go go, go ask anybody in Bibb County and in Tuscaloosa County where the original field notes are. They don't know. And you know, the, another thing they don't know, they don't know where the county line is between Bibb County and Tuscaloosa County. There's no, surprise. there's no record of it. <laughs> it it um, was drawn. It's the, the best I got on that was it was drawn somewhere. It was drawn on an old map somewhere, and that's that's what they're going by. Right. <clears throat> well, uh, Milton, um, uh, t- you know, one of the I think one of the problems here with. Uh, Surveyors just well, you know, kind of ignoring um, ignoring the original GLO plats and the field notes is uh, of this. Now you mentioned you mentioned that you know the BLM's website, but you know all of Alabama, all you know I've, I've searched on there for some Alabama maps, and they're just they're just not available. And then what do you do? You go to the Secretary of State's website, and uh, you're right. It, it, you're, you're telling me something I didn't know that you, you can get to know their indexing system uh, over time, but uh, these learning curves just like out of sight. I, I, I kind of gave up when I was looking for some plats one time. Well, Jeff, uh, and this is why it's important that a surveyor kind of learn these things because actually, like for Alabama, 
both the BLM website has Alabama on it, and so does the state. But here's the thing is, these are different copied maps that came at different times, and I a lot of times compare one to the other, and you'll see there's some differences in them. Um, because there were some sonographer was making a copy of, of the original, and you got original, you got copies of copies of copies. Nobody can really tell you which was the actual map that the surveyor did in the, you know before he could get paid and send it in because they made so many copies of it. So I like to compare BLM's copy or the field notes uh, to the state. And another little trick I've done recently is to try to find out a little more about the men that were actually doing these things originally. And what I use is I use Ancestry.com. And I look these people up, and the one thing you find out is they're all young men. I mean, if you weren't had made your fortune and could buy a farm by the age of 30, you were, you were done as far as a GLO surveyor. It was so hard. And a lot of these people went on to be very influential people. But the reason I look them up is to see, well, how many sections did you do? You know, did I do one township? And that happened a lot. Did one township, and then that was, they didn't want to do another one. Well, obviously, if you were a surveyor that, that did 10 townships, sure. obviously, you got better at it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. townships were probably more consistent, you know. Jeff, we're going to have to break here, and uh, we'll be back with Jeff right after a couple of minutes. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is Jeff Lucas. This is the Surveyor's Hour, and I have my guest today is Milton Denny, um, seminar speaker, surveyor, seminar speaker, uh, author, and columnist. And we've been talking about um, the... uh, Original surveys of the public domain, uh, also known as the GLO surveyors, also known as the public land survey system, also known as the rectangular surveying system. Uh, I just wanted to uh, step back just a little bit, uh, uh, Milton, before we moved forward. Um, This idea, uh, now I've been on the BLM website looking for these, um, looking for plats, because I, I find that 
quite frankly, a lot easier than going to the Alabama Secretary of State office. And also, I have not had very much luck at all with finding uh, a copy of the field notes and the plats uh, at the probate courts here in Alabama. Um, but have you been on their? <clears throat> have you seen on their website uh, where you can uh, the BLM's website where you can uh, click on a on a you can search for a, a specific surveyor and see see how many surveys a deputy surveyor and see how many surveys that they've done. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. And what's also interesting about that if you're if you have the field notes. And you're not quite sure how the man spells his name. Say you're looking at the field notes in the Alabama Secretary of State, and he lists the, the, the deputy surveyor, and you can't really quite read what his, how he signs his name. Uh, you can go to that uh, BLM's website, and you can look up the surveyors by that name, and if you got his first name and maybe a middle initial or something, you can determine who it is, you know, and I use that. To get that right, you know, because one of the things, if you're going to have to go to court, you don't want the other attorney to get up there and say, well, you don't even know who the guy was. You know, you don't have his name spelled right, right you know. So it's just a oh, way yeah. of... And that's a great point that you make uh, about going to court. Um, uh, yes, um, you know, uh, I've been to court several times and have testified as an expert witness. And one of the things you want to do... As a surveyor, uh, expert witness, if you're, if you're getting into a land boundary issue and it involves um, the general land office surveys or it involves the, uh, uh, you know, the GLO, uh, GLO surveys or public land survey system, you want to you do your homework. Um, you, you want to say, I mean, if for no other reason, you, you want to be able to say, yes, I looked at the plat, yes, I looked at the field notes, and yes, when I was in the field, uh, I looked around for evidence of the original corner position. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, and let me tell you how I do that, Jeff. Um, they're, they're very hard to find now, but I understand this is available on, you know, uh, Magellan bought out DeLorean, which I hated to see it because DeLorean was a very progressive company doing a lot of really neat stuff. And they were coming up with the state-by-state uh, state, uh, CD-ROM uh, digital topo maps. Oh, and yeah, I yeah, that, yeah. I remember, I remember those, right, yeah. Well, that's all gone now. You know, you can get the whole country, and I understand that the GIS, I mean, the uh, land boundary layer is still in there, but I've never been able to find it. But if you have these old maps, what I do before I go to the field is I look up on these maps, and I pick the latitude and longitude off of these digital quads so you're not just wandering around out there lost you can go to probably within 20 feet of where the corner was you know before you start searching you know and uh so i i think that's a tremendous useful tool that a, that a surveyor so i never go out in the field until i've done a really background check and we're talking about that jeff uh, let me put a plug in. Uh, there was a time when BLM used to have retracement boundary workshops. And slowly over time, uh, they kind of disappeared, you know. Well, mm -hmm. they had managed to get in some little fights with different states, and so they wouldn't do them in Florida anymore. So Florida hired me to come in and do some of these workshops, which I did. 
And we had tremendous results finding original corners, which people tell you, oh, you can't find original corners. Yeah, you can. Uh, if you've got the notes, if you've got the location, you know what to look for. And so uh, the Alabama Society, for years, used to contract with the uh, BLM to come in and do these retracement workshops. Well, they're out of that business now. And yeah. I think that's good. Um, but we're going to go back. Uh, we, to we, uh, the, you're talking about uh, the BLMs out of that business? Or are you talking about right, ASPLS? Right. No, BL, BLMs out of that business. So ASPLS, we're going to go back in, and we have access to an old uh, military base that's really abandoned. But it had a wonderful... Uh, retracement survey done by BLM in about 1918 or eight, 1915, and they rescribed trees and they did the witness trees and did the whole thing. We have access to that, so we're going to, in September, going to be holding some field workshops where we do a uh, in the in the classroom training session. But then I load people up with original equipment. And then go out there, and they can turn the angles and get the declination and, and do all these things and try to recover some of these retracement corners. And I think we're going to have a lot of good luck in this thing. And I'm, like I said earlier, I'm at the point now where I'm doing the office work, you know, getting proposed coordinates for these corners. So when we go out there looking, we can just go to these places. Well, uh, 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 what do you mean by original equipment? What, what are y'all going to be out there surveying with? Uh, well, we actually won't be surveying. And by the way, there there actually was a fellow who wrote a book one time. He's now deceased. I knew him quite well. But he advocated going and doing a retracement survey with a compass and chain because that's the way it was done. Well, if you do that, all you're doing is compounding the errors because you need to use the best measuring equipment you can and compare it to what was done originally to see what the errors were, okay? Now, when we go do these uh, these retracements, what we'll do is there'll be a, each crew will be equipped with an operating um, old survey compass, which is quite a task to get them operating properly. So they can go to an okay. existing corner. Yeah, I took, it took one of my compasses. Uh, the old book written in England says that a compass needle, if you take it at, at 90 degrees to north and you let it go, it should rotate back and forth 25 times before it comes to a stop. The first one I did did five. And so it took probably... Ten times taking it apart, sharpening the needle more, and working on it before it would do maybe 20 times, you know. So I will equip them with an original compass and a chain, because everything is in links, and they will go to a corner, and they will set up, get their declination, and then they will turn the recorded angle for the tree ties, okay? And then they'll measure the distance and see if there's a, a tree there. A lot of times, and this is particularly true of uh, pine trees, they their stumps are unbelievable. They, they never disappear. And so uh, if you can find the area and you could start probing, you know, that pine stump is there. In fact, I have known friends that pulled wood out of the tree stump and it had scribing on it. <laughs> now, would that be a thrill or what? Uh, <laughs> 
And so uh, that's the kind of thing. I don't want to say do. what most surveyors would do, <laughs> but it would, it would involve cleaning cleaning up their their their, their pants. I think. Yeah. Um, Seriously, I know two cases, Jeff, where that happened. They pulled out the, the wood that had slid down into the stump hole, and the scribing was visible. I mean, just amazing. Okay. I got a question for you. You, you mentioned get their declination. How, how are you guys going to get it, the, your declination out in the field? Oh well, God. there's a couple of, two or three different ways. One is, and this is another thing I use all the time in, in reconstructing old surveys, not BLM, but NOAA has a lady they call the Declination Lady, and you can go to her website. It's it's on the NOAA website under mm-hmm. Declination, and you can put in the latitude and longitude of an area and the date, say 1908, uh-huh. at this latitude and longitude, and she'll tell you what the declination was in 1908. Well, you could compare that to the original field notes and what the declination is now, and you can see whether you have the same corners or not, okay? Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is just a little trick that I use to kind of solidify whether I'm on the right track. And so what we'll do is we'll equip these crews uh, with uh, original survey equipment or compasses and chains, and they right. will go out and they will try to recover things. And I'm telling you that sometimes when these people find original corners and things that everybody thought was lost for 50 years, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Now, you, you usually do, uh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, uh, the retracement camps back in Florida. I went to one way, way back in the day, and, uh, of course, I went to a couple of them here in Alabama, and I, when you're talking about recovering uh, original corners and original accessories, you're, you're talking about in a national forest somewhere, right? Generally, yes. But yeah. that can be done in private land, too. We had a uh, situation. I had a call from a, uh, a man up in Huntsville area. And it's Nature's Conservancy, you know, where they put land aside, you know. And this was yeah. land up on the side of a mountain. And it was a partial township that was surveyed in uh, 1818. And so it was a partial township. It was never closed properly. Well, they had 200 acres on the side of this mountain, and now all of a sudden people want to build million-dollar homes up there. So all these surveyors were coming in with their GPS, and there were more corners around then than you could shake a stick at. It was unbelievable. And I don't know how these guys, even with their GPS, would manage to determine where the corner ought to be when it wasn't the section, the township wasn't closed originally. So uh, anyway, I asked a very good friend of mine by the name of Buell Hunkerpeel, which is a past president of Alabama Society. He lives 10 miles from there. Would you look into this for me? And one of the main corners where they had corners set 20 feet one way, 30 feet the other, all these new rebars and stuff, he went up there and did a retracement on that corner, not only found an original uh, stump hole, which he fell in waist deep of a big pine tree, he actually found a living witness tree up, up in there, and it's really no bigger than about 20 inches in diameter been growing in the rocks on the side of a mountain since 1818 and is still alive. That's amazing. Wow. So it yeah. can be done 
And they were asking about how do we get rid of all these corners. And I, my suggestion, I don't think they've done it, is to go to court and prevent all the, present all the information and ask the courts to make them judicial corners so they can't be moved. Because that's the original GLO corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it comes to pincushion monuments, the question is always, what, what do we do? A pincushion corner is a question. What do we do with these 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 pins that uh, you know aren't really the corner? You know, of course, there's a there's a little law there. Uh, there's a mis- there's a criminal misdemeanor that you, you can't remove them. So that's always a you know something of a dilemma. But uh, I've, I've told them there's there, I don't know of any law against driving them to refusal. You know. Yep, and <laughs> I I worked with a. Uh, uh, boss at one time years ago, and that's exactly what he would do. He would take, you know, back then it was a lot of iron pipe, but he'd drive the other ones down so deep nobody would know they were down there, you know. That's right. And, uh, he, didn't, he, he didn't remove them, right? <laughs> no, exactly right. He, he didn't do them. He just made them inaccessible, I guess you might say. Yeah, or harder to find, and we know how lazy right. surveyors, some surveyors are, right? Yeah. Um, when we, when we get back after the break, I want to ask you about, um, um, go back a little bit to uh, county surveyors, and then I, I, there's some other questions here we're going we're gonna to go through with Milton. Um, you can reach me at jeff at americaswebradio.com or my website, www.lucasandcompany.com. And my guest today is uh, Milton Denny, and uh, we're talking about all things surveying. Um, Milton, give us your uh, email address one more time. Yeah, it's M D E N N Y five five four one at aol dot com. All right. Quick stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for QuickStakes today. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Quick stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back friendly stake. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is Jeff Lucas. I'm your host, and I have Milton Denny on the uh, on the program today. My first guest, and 
I'm really glad he uh, agreed to come on. And Milton, thank you so much. Uh, Milton, I want to go back just, you know, thank you. I wanted to go back just a little bit because I I run into this a lot when I talk about uh, when when I'm doing seminars and I'm talking about sectionalized lands and the original surveys. You know, um, um, a lot of, um, and and you're familiar with this in Illinois as well. You know, there's this this idea that... um, uh, county surveyors are bums. So they, they they came in and they they stubbed in quarter quarter section corners. They stubbed in the center quarter. They uh, they stubbed in sixteenth corners, meaning that they didn't uh, you know run completely through the section. Do uh, do the uh, as we like to say the sign of the cross and break that section down. You know, according to proper procedure. But uh, tell me this: Where did these county surveyors come from, and how do they learn how to survey? Well, unfortunately, Jeff, a lot of them were political appointees, and uh, they didn't know how to survey very well. And it, it runs the gamut from people that pretty much knew what they were doing. Uh, like when I was working on one of these uh, retracements in Florida, there were county monuments there, and in the in the courthouse, this county surveyor explained what where he put these monuments. He was finding the original post, but BLM would not accept that. But he he actually put these monuments where the original post was, and so it it runs the gamut. But Jeff, I know that this is close to your heart. Here's the real problem: if that county surveyor set certain corners in a section, okay, um, breaking the section down. The chances are he did not survey the whole section, but he set certain corners, a uh, center section, quarter corners, whatever. Um, and they've been used for 150 years in all the deeds around you, you know. What right do we have at this point in time to go back and start confusing the issue by starting to move corners around. Would you agree with that, Jeff? Um, uh, certainly. Uh, I, I do agree with that. And, and I, I, you know, I've, I've run into situations where, uh, not in not in Alabama, but where I had to do, um, I had to, uh, Idaho, for instance, uh, just one particular uh, instance comes to mind. And I was looking up, we, it was all about the GLO, what the GLO had done. And we had a surveyor who had done um, three? Who had done three townships? Um, he did well. He, he did two townships. One one of these townships was accepted. He did a second township, and it was rejected by the uh, um, you know by the GLO. And then he went out there and did it again, and uh, it got rejected uh, a second time. And then he was. Uh, he was out of the he was out of the service. Uh, you know, he he, they, he didn't. Do, I looked. That's where I found uh, on the BLM's website how you can look up the surveyor. So I, I looked this guy up. He did three townships. He only and he failed on on one uh, twice, and it had to be done by another guy after him. And then the next uh, the next appearance of this guy, he was the county surveyor. <laughs> Uh, you know, for the for that local county, and right. So, one of the things that I, I, you know, I mean, where else would you have learned how to survey? Yeah, 
yes, there would be political. There could be political uh, appointments to county surveyor. Uh, but the only place back in those days, in the 1800s, to learn how to survey would have been on a GLO crew. Is that is that not correct? Oh, that's probably really true. In fact, I haven't mentioned this. We don't want to exclude our friends that have uh, that operate in meets and bounds state because it's really not as different. And my personal opinion, Jeff, is that we could work toward it sometime in the future having one state license, one license that would be good for the whole country because there's not as much difference in meets and bounds states and GLO. Again, you have to go to the courthouse, you have to dig out the records, you have to see who these people were, and that kind of thing. And so it's very similar. And to go in and start just wholesaling, moving corners around that have been used by other deeds and other properties, you know, and starting boundaries between neighbors makes no sense at all. And we've gone through a time period when I'm afraid we've kind of gotten into that, you know. And uh, yeah. one other thing I want to talk a little bit about is symbols. Uh, if you're looking in the field notes, you know, generally, they li- on the last page of a township, they list the surveyors, okay, and the crew members. Yeah. And uh, I like to look and see how many different townships they worked on because, you know, a lot of what was done was dependent on how good the chainmen were. And so usually it's a little uh, squiggly, looks like an old uh, survey tape, you know, that's been folded over. Uh, yeah. Or, or uh, they'll write a chain, a C, and and te- the two, first two people on that crew were the chainmen. And they, they stayed in those jobs, you know. The next person is usually the axeman, and he's also the person that did describing and did that sort of thing, and uh, he, he may have an A after his name. Uh, uh, he may have uh, something about uh, line clearing or something like that. And then also um, you had a flagman, and he was the guy that went on ahead and gave the direction from the compass operator, you know. And by the way, for some of you that don't know, the compass and the measuring were not done simultaneously on top of each other like we used to measure out from underneath the transit, you know. And because they knew that the chain would attract the compass, so they were kind of done separately, you know. And uh, Mm -hmm. so knowing who these people were and how many townships they did uh, can be a tremendous help sometimes. And uh, occasionally those people actually became a deputy surveyor because they were training to move up to to the next job, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. <clears throat> so I guess the point I was trying to make about the county surveyors is um, they didn't just, you know, there were political appointments, but um, uh, the, these guys were probably, most a lot of I'm going to say a lot of were probably had learned how to survey, maybe even had been deputy surveyors, uh, you know, contractors um, for the general land office, and they were basically doing the same thing that, the um, original GLO surveyors were doing. I mean, you're, you're aware, I know you are, you're licensed in, in Illinois, I mean, you're aware that um, the the instructions out of the 1856 manual uh, for um, 
laying out the township was uh, that they stubbed in the north quarter corner of, of every section. Uh, in the, at least those were the instructions to stub in the north quarter corner. Right. And, uh, and then to set the center quarter, um, actually it wasn't in the instructions to stub in the north quarter corner. I was, I was mistaken. I'll take that back. Albert White talks about that in his book, The History of the Rectangular Survey System. Now, that, that was just the standard practice, but the instructions for the 1856 manual, and I forgot the the uh, Surveyor General's name uh, at that time, but back in the index uh, to the instructions, they uh, they advised the, the GLO, the General Land Office, advised county surveyors to, when they're setting the center quarter, to run from the east quarter corner, run all the way through the section to the west quarter corner, get your get your falling on that west quarter corner and then come back on true line and set the center quarter at the uh, uh, on the middle of that line. I mean, right. you, you recall that, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's, uh, well, because, that's because they didn't trust the north quarter corner and the south quarter corner because they knew they were being stubbed in. Yeah. Well, the other thing, Jeff, that uh, a lot of these uh, local surveyors, uh, there, there's a lot of states, and I've actually worked quite a bit all over the country, there were a lot of states that the county surveyor was a local surveyor, and he allowed himself to be appointed as a county surveyor, even though it paid like $3 a month or something, is he saw as a way of, of getting work. He saw it as a marketing tool. I'm the county well, surveyor. Well, he could also get on the retirement plan with the county, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think it worked that way, Jeff. <laughs> no, I doubt that it did either. I wanted to back. I wanted to back up and 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 uh, clarify something uh, for our audience. You know, we're talking. Milton and I have been talking here about uh, the southeast. We've been talking about uh, Alabama, and uh, as we both know, Milton and I both know, uh, when you go out west, uh, there's there's places out there where you can see from section corner to section corner, and there's original. Um, the original corners can be found. Original monumentation of the corners can be found. Original accessories can be found in, in abundance. But uh, here in the southeast, that's that's just not the case, is it, Milton? No, it's not. And uh, I worked out west, uh, and uh, there were many places where we would find original. And it, and it was done much later. Uh, not only is a dry climate, it was done much later. It was easier to see. It was done. And by the way, as the geo, I did a study one time trying to uh, determine how the surveys improved as they were going west. Well, eventually, you know, they got where they would even measure with a, a 500-foot steel tape. Well, if you're measuring a section with a 500-steel tape, you know, there's that not that many uh, breaks in chain. And... Right. Uh, you know, those corners a lot of times are within a foot of where the original government notes say they are. Now, you get back in Alabama, and a lot of times the corners may not even be within 30 or 40 feet of where the original government notes say, because that right. was the difference in the chaining standards. Yeah. And try to get a line of sight here, you know, in, in Alabama, right? right. <laughs> yeah, woods. exactly. And people out west don't... They, they don't. They don't. They don't comprehend uh, all the time. You know uh, what it's what it's like to survey in the woods, where you, you know where you, you, 
to get a 200-foot back site might be a, you know, a great back site. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.